morning, brothers and sisters, saints of God, as he calls us. Even though we might not believe that, we need to believe that because that is what he does call us. So, if you would, please open your Bibles to Galatians as we continue our track through Galatians for the next two years. I only heard a couple of laughs. So, will be good if I can find it. There it is. Okay. So as we continue going through Galatians, uh, I, I've, I've asked, you know, I've encouraged you guys to read through Galatians, and if you have read through Galatians, you will find one thing out that there is uh, no commendation for anything. Paul is absolutely correcting a false view of the gospel through the whole letter is what he's doing, and um, that's why the title today is Defending the Gospel of Grace because that is essentially what Paul does through all six chapters of this letter is he defends the gospel of grace against a different gospel, and that's what we do. We do the same thing today. And so let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dig in. Father, thank you again for this time that we can come into your presence father and we can worship you in our singing father where we can praise you for you truly are the ancient of days there is none above you there is none before you and all of time is in your hand lord may we rest safely in your hands may we rest safely in knowing that you are sovereign over all things, Lord, including your gospel. So, Father, today I pray that we would be convicted where we need to be convicted, and, Lord, you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged. We would see the gospel of your grace, Lord, for freedom Christ has set us free. May we stand steadfast there. So thank you again, Father, for the cross. Thank you for Christ and his sacrifice. Thank you, Father, that we are in him. And we just ask that you would receive all the glory and all the praise today, Father, for this. In your name, amen. So as I just said, Paul is defending the gospel of grace. If anyone knew of a gospel of grace, it would have been Paul. As we will see later on, he was a persecutor of the church. He was one who was uh, rising in Judaism. He loved the traditions of his Jewish faith and then the king of grace invaded his life and so anyone that would defend the gospel of grace would be Paul because he understood the gospel of grace and if anyone is today to defend the gospel of grace it should be you and I who are the ones that are defending the gospel of grace because we of all people should understand the grace of God in our own lives. That the gospel of grace that we looked at for, for such a long time is a gospel that is in Christ alone, by faith alone, through grace alone, to God be the glory alone, through the scriptures alone, we find this gospel of grace. It is not of us, but it is solely of God and it is solely the work of Christ 
why we are believers. And so it was the same for the Galatians. We have to understand that Paul is not writing a letter to unbelievers, but he's writing a letter to believers, as we'll see a little bit later on. So, But what we have to look at is different Gospels. This is what Paul is going to talk about today in Galatians 1, 6 through 9. So let's go ahead and read that right now. This is what the Apostle writes. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. This is strong language that the apostle is using. He is not using gentle, lovey-dovey language here. He's using very strong language to the Galatians here of their departure to a different gospel. Now, do we have that today? We have to understand, do we have that today? Well, we do have some of that today, right? We have the health and wealth prosperity gospel that we hear that's preached that God wants you to be healthy and God wants you to be wealthy, right? We have that gospel that is preached, which is a different gospel than the gospel of grace. We have the word of faith movement that we all went through when we went through the uh, American gospel stuff, the, the word of faith movement. We have the new apostolic movement that takes place. And so we have these churches that nowadays in our time they bring a different gospel but they yet bring a gospel and that's it and they're under the guise of Christianity so how do you and I then become defenders of the grace of the gospel that's in the gospel well I think there's a couple things that we have to do first first we have to know the gospel you have to know what the gospel is and the gospel cannot just be, as we saw in Sunday school, something on the surface that you know. The gospel has to be something that has penetrated your heart, that you believe, that is part of you. It's just not on the surface. It's kind of like counterfeit money. When bankers look at counterfeit money, they don't study the counterfeit money. They study the real money. That's what they study. So they know what the real money looks like. So when the fake comes in, they can spot the fake up. Same with you and I. If we are to de defend the gospel of grace, we have to know the gospel of grace. And that's what Paul puts out in Galatians 1, 3 through 5, when he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here comes our gospel the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So he brings the Galatians back to this. And so likewise, you and I, first of all, we have to know the gospel. Just not parts of it. We have to know the gospel. Secondly, we need to be able to bring out the false teachers of the gospel. We need to be able to call them out on their falseness of their teaching of the gospel. 
Jesus warns us of false teachers in Matthew 24, 24. He says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Uh, uh, Elymas, the magician, was against Paul's teaching in Acts 13, 8 through 10. It says, But Elymas, the magician, for this is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, you, or will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? False teachers come in, and that's what they do. They are sons of the devil. They're enemies of righteousness. They're full of deceit and villainy. We have to be aware of their motives and what they do. Because Satan, Satan works through these false teachers. And they look like believers. This is what was happening in Galatia. These teachers that were coming in, they looked like Christians. They acted like Christians. 2 Corinthians 11.13 says this, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And even Satan described himself as an angel of light, right? Uh, Verses 14 and 15 of the same chapter. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So we need to be able to bring out the false teachers by their false teaching, even though they could look like teachers of righteousness. This is what they do. Peter tells us the strategy of the false teachers. In 2 Peter 2, 1 and 2, But false prophets also came among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the master who bought them, bringing up upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensualities, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. So these are the warnings that we see, and this is what was happening in Galatia. The false teachers, the Judaizers, were, were coming down, and they were twisting the gospel. They were preaching a different gospel, which was not a gospel at all. This is what it was. It wasn't a gospel of grace. And this infuriated Paul. So this is where we get this. Paul is now defending the gospel. So we see, first of all, that Paul is absolutely amazed. He's amazed at what is going on. He's amazed that they're deserting the gospel for what these false teachers are teaching. He says in Galatians 1.6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He's astonished. He's, he's amazed. This is a strong word. It's a very strong word. He's, he's amazed. He's bewildered. He's bewildered at these, these Galatians, that they're, they're, they're quickly, they're easily, they're, they're readily being so moved away from the gospel of grace. They're quickly deserting it for this false teaching. They were easily deserting the gospel of grace for the gospel of works. This is what they were doing. And this is what we have to remember, is that even as believers, we can easily move away from the gospel of grace to the gospel of works. 
it's real easy because we sometimes want to be performance-based, right? Our performance, oh, I haven't read enough, I haven't prayed enough. We can get into this mode where we can depart from the gospel of grace. And all of a sudden, we start to put laws on ourselves. And we start to put rules and regulations on ourselves. And we depart from this grace that we have in Christ Jesus. So Paul, like I said, he's addressing believers in Galatians 3.3. He says, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? So the Spirit is in them. Are you now being perfected by the flesh in galatians 3 5 does he who supplies the spirit to you you know talking of god and works miracles among you does he do it by the law or by the hearing with faith galatians 4 6 and because you are sons god has sent the spirit of his son into your heart crying on the father so we see that paul is addressing believers that are wavering and they're quickly deserting the gospel of grace of which God has called them to. And so we have to remember that they were deserting this gospel. This deserting, uh, it's an interesting word. It's an interesting word, this deserting, because it's, it actually means to change allegiance. It means to be a traitor. This is the word Paul uses, right? So when we read that, I'm astonished that you were so quickly being a traitor being a traitor, a Benedict Arnold, if we might say, right? You're being a traitor to him who called you. And it wasn't just something that was happening, but within the tense here, they were, they were uh, it's a voluntary thing. They were voluntarily doing this. They weren't even questioning it. They were just going along with it. They were walking this way with it. They were so easily moved from that gospel of grace but look at who they were deserting look at what the verse says look at who they were deserting it says I'm astonished that you so quickly are deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ they were deserting God first and foremost they were walking away from him they were walking away from his grace They were walking away from his mercy. They were deserting their calling because he was the one who called them. We we see that we are called by God to come to him. He's the one who calls us in 2 Timothy 2, 13, or 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. He says, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. Verse 14, to this he called you through our gospel. First Peter 1.15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So we see that they were deserting this calling that God had called them to himself in his grace. But what were they going away from? They were deserting for a different gospel. A different gospel. Now, What was the different gospel? What was the different gospel? That's what Paul says, right? Turning to a different gospel. This term for different gospel is a completely different way of being right with God. They were turning away from a completely different way 
of being right with God. The false teachers most likely, what they did, the false teachers most likely acknowledged the gospel. They most likely acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah. They acknowledged Jesus' death on the cross for the forgiveness of sin. They acknowledged that he was the son of God. They had an aspect of the gospel, which is not another gospel. They had the aspect of the gospel of Jesus dying for sin. But what they did is then they came in and they said as they twist it, they bring in the Mosaic law. This is what they were doing. They brought in the Mosaic law and said, not only do you have to have Jesus, but you also have to have circumcision. You also have to be obedient to all the ceremonies, to the days, to the seasons, to the festivals. They all of a sudden put the laws back onto them. They all of a sudden wanted to bring them back into the slavery, into the bonds of slavery. This is what the Judaizers were doing. They were coming down and saying, you need Christ plus this. In Acts 15.1, this is what they say. But some men came down from Judea, Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. That is a direct attack on the gospel of grace. They are saying that there's something you have to do. You have to earn. You have to merit to be saved. And yet Paul is adamant that there is nothing we can do. We are totally depraved. We are dead in our sins and trespasses. There's nothing we can do to earn or merit salvation. And he's bringing the Galatians back to this. And you and I have to keep that fresh in our minds that the gospel we proclaim to people is a gospel of grace. It's a gospel of mercy. It's a gospel of compassion. And it's a gospel that cannot be merited or earned. It's a salvation that is in Christ alone and through Christ alone and by the work of Christ alone. And we have to keep that fresh in our minds. Or we too will turn to legalism. We will turn to laws that we can add to ourselves for our salvation. He was adamant about this. A different gospel. He questioned the believers in their thinking. He questioned them. He says this in Galatians 3.3. 3, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He wants to know that. He who began a good work in you will perfect it in the day when Christ comes. He's saying this. Hey, the guy that perfected the work in you, are you now perfecting it according to your flesh? Are you doing all the work now? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's his working in us. It's his grace working in us. It's not us doing the work. But this is what Paul's saying. Are you going to go back to the law and be obedient to the law? Is that what you want to do? Well, then you become obedient to the whole law. He's like, you're fools. He calls them foolish. Are you so foolish to believe this? Are you so foolish, brothers and sisters? Are we foolish ones too to believe that we can be perfected by the law? Or are we trusting in the work of Jesus Christ and him solely for our salvation? He says in Galatians 4, 9, But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? Right? How can you turn back again? 
Why are you going back? Why are you deserting? Why are you being a traitor? And you're doing it quickly. And this bewilders me. I'm amazed that you do this. Is what he's saying. And in Galatians 5, 7, he says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Why are you going back? Why are you going back? So we see that Paul's amazement. He's astounded at this. He's defending the gospel by saying, what are you running to? Why are you running to a different gospel, another gospel? So he gives <coughs> what's happening in Galatians 1, 7. He says, not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel. He's bringing in these false teachers. What are they doing? There's some, they're troubling you. They're distorting you, right? They're distorting the gospel of Christ. This trouble is to agitate. It's like being in the washing machine, right? And it goes back and forth, the agitator and the washing machine. I think they all still have those. But I know ours does because I'm cheap and won't buy a real good one. But that's what it does. It agitates, right? And it moves around. Who's agitating you? Who's, who's thrusting you back and forth? That's what he's saying. There's some who are troubling you. They're, they're agitating you. Why? Well, they want to distort the gospel of Christ. They want to distort the work. They want to pervert it. They want to turn it into something that's complete opposite. This is what the Judaizers want to do. This is what the false teachers want to do. This is what we see in the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. This is what we see in the word of faith movement or the new apostolic movement. We see people that are coming and taking the purity of the gospel of grace and they're distorting it and they're making something completely opposite of it. And they're going away from it. This is why churches are full. This is why we got big, mega, massive churches. It's because they're not teaching the gospel of grace. They're teaching easy believism. This is what they're teaching. They're teaching what they want to hear. Right? Timothy. Timothy talks about it. You know? They, they acquire teachers for themselves that want to tickle the ears. Right? They're not coming and hearing the gospel of grace and the gospel of grace comes and tells us that we need a savior that we are so infested with sin in our bodies that we need someone to come and clean us up and that's not a message people want to hear that's not a message what they want to hear but they want to pervert it those who pervert the gospel this is what Paul says to them in Acts 13.10 you son of the devil we read it earlier these people that pervert the gospel, he calls them sons of the devil, the enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy. They make crooked the straight path of the Lord. Those who pervert the gospel, who want to add works to the gospel. In Jeremiah twenty-three twenty-six, it says this, How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesies the deceit of their own heart? There's deceit in their heart. They want to draw people away from themselves. These are those who pervert the gospel. These are those that are coming down and they're agitating the Galatian believers. So Paul gives them this insight. Hey, beware. This is what they're doing. They're troubling you. They're distorting you because they want to change the gospel of Christ. Be aware of them. But then Paul gives a warning to these people. Paul gives a warning to these teachers, does he? He does. Look at verses 8 and 9. It's a strong warning. 
But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached, you let them be anathema or accursed. As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. We or an angel. Paul takes a hypothetical. This is what he's doing. He's taking a hypothetical and he's saying this. Even if we, the apostles, the ones who are entrusted with the gospel or a holy angel, even if we come and we preach another gospel, we are to be condemned. We are to be accursed is what he's saying. He's given this hypothetical out there because most likely the apostles aren't going to come and preach a different gospel. A, a true angel from heaven, a holy angel from heaven, is not going to do this. So he gives this hypothetical. But he's saying that these people, these people that preach this different gospel, they need to be accursed and anathema. Here's what William Hendrickson paraphrased verse 8. This is what he says. If we or a holy angel must be the object of God's righteous curse, were any of us to reach a gospel contrary to the one, if any of us were to preach a gospel contrary to the one we humans previously preached to you, then all the more divine wrath must be poured out on those self-appointed nobodies who are now making themselves guilty of this crime. This word accursed means that which is devoted to destruction. That is what Paul is saying. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the cross or to the one that you received, let him be devoted to destruction. It's harsh words. It's strong words. You preach the purity of the gospel. And if you don't preach the purity of the gospel, you need to be devoted to destruction in hell for eternity. This is how he's calling out the false teachers. In 2 John 7, the Apostle John writes this, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. The one who brings a different gospel is an Antichrist. They're against Christ. You add one jot or tittle to the gospel of grace, it is no longer the gospel of grace. You add one thing to it, circumcision, it's not the gospel of grace. Because now it depends upon you and what you do. Now, don't get me wrong. Are we to be obedient? Absolutely, we're to be obedient. But we're to be obedient because of grace. We are not to be obedient to receive grace. We're to be obedient because we are saved. We're not to be obedient because we need to be saved. It's a completely different motivation. It's a completely different motivation. 2 John 10 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in the wicked works. Anybody who preaches a different gospel, we're not to have anything to do with them. Nothing. Martin Luther says this. This queen, the Bible. That's what he's referring to when he says queen. This queen, the Bible, must rule. And everyone must obey and be subject to her. The Pope, Luther, Augustine, Paul, angels from heaven. 
these should not be masters, judges, arbiters, but only witnesses, disciples, and confessors of Scripture. Nor should any doctrine be taught or heard in the church except the pure word of God. Otherwise, let the teacher and the hearers be accursed along with their doctrine. That is what we are to preach. That is what the elders are needed to preach. That is what you guys need to hold us accountable to, is the pure teaching of the word of God. And if we err from that, and we continue in that way, Luther agrees with Paul, and who agrees with the word of God, that their doctrine should be accursed along with them. We're to stay away from all this. We're to stay away from these false teachers. 1 Timothy 4, 6, and 7. You put these things before the brothers. You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrines that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. 1 Timothy 4.13 Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. This is what we're to do. We're to devote ourselves to the trueness of the gospel. 2 Timothy 2.15-17 Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Again, but avoid irreverent battle, for it will leave people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hermanius and Flitus. Paul calls them out. He calls the false teachers out. Brothers and sisters, guess what? We should call the false teachers out. And we should call them out by name. Paul did it. We should do it. We should call them out by name if they're preaching a false gospel. So how does this affect us? What do you think? How do you take this? Another gospel. Well, you know what, Mark? I don't have another gospel. I hold on to the gospel of grace. This is what I do. But I want us to know is that no, no matter how long we've been a believer, you can be a believer for many, many years, or you could be just a brand new believer, right? You could be a brand new believer, and we can be lured away to a different gospel. But how can we be lured away to a different gospel? Well, think about when troubles come. Think about when hardships comes, when you have a personal crisis or you have tragedy or you have loss. How many times do you sit there when you're having a bad day and say, oh, it's because I didn't read today. Oh, I didn't pray enough today. So you're making your circumstances something that you didn't do, something that you merited. No, maybe you're having a bad day today because you're having a bad day today. Maybe it's just that. We can easily turn when we have troubles in our life. We can turn to a different, different gospel. We can walk away from the gospel of grace and we can start looking at ourselves, right? We take our eyes off the object of the gospel and we put it on our performance instead of keeping our eyes on Christ in these troubles. John Calvin says it this way, the devil sometimes uses apparently small, subtle issues to distance us from the gospel without our even perceiving it. We don't even know what's happening. He uses small, subtle issues. And the next thing you know, we're away from the gospel of grace. And it's all about your self-righteousness. Instead of holding on to Christ's righteousness. And secondly, we can twist the truth, right? We can 
twist the truth a little bit, just subtle perversions of the scriptures, a slight distortion of the grace of God in the gospel. That's what the Judaizers were doing. They were bringing just a slight distortion, just a little twisting, because the Mosaic law is part of the scriptures, right? But they were just twisting it a tad bit. But how can we twist it? Or how can we put laws on ourselves, right? So pretty much we leave the gospel of grace, we distort it by adding anything to it. And it's all motive-based, right? It's all motive-based. Anything we do that we think adds to our salvation takes away from the gospel of grace. Come into church every Sunday. Do you think that adds to your salvation? Or is that just something you want to do, to be with God's people, that you get to do? That you get to do? How about this? Attending Sunday school, taking communion, baptism, tithing, or even being a Sabbatarian, right? Being a Sabbatarian. I, I have clients that are Sabbatarians. And Jenny and I sometimes go to Wendy's after, after we go to lunch or after here, we'll go get lunch, we'll go to Wendy's. And I, these guys literally say that I'm in sin because I'm causing those people to work on the Sabbath. That's putting laws on somebody. That's putting regulations on somebody. Look, these things are all good. But if we think coming to church and going to Sunday school and taking communion and being baptized and giving, if we think that adds to our salvation, we've lost the gospel of grace. Those are things we get to do, brothers and sisters. We get to do that because of the gospel of grace. We get to come in fellowship with each other because it's the gospel of grace. We get to come to Sunday school because of the gospel of grace. We get to take communion because it's the gospel of grace. We are baptized because of the gospel of grace. We give to the church. We give back what God has graciously given us because of the gospel of grace. It's all how we think of it. It doesn't add. We get to do those things. I talked to a couple of my customers this week that are Catholics. And the Catholics are this way. It's Jesus plus what they do. It's Jesus plus their, their baptism. It's Jesus plus confirmation. It's Jesus plus the First Holy Communion. It's Jesus plus confession. It's Jesus plus saying the rosary. They openly admitted this to me, that we have to do those things in order to be saved, to make us more pleasing to God. And they have it wrong because they're already pleasing to God because of what Christ has done. And we so easily can get it wrong, brothers and sisters. If we don't keep the gospel of grace in front of us, we will easily become just like the Galatians. We will quickly become traitors of the gospel of grace for the gospel of works. That's what we'll do. To close, I just want to read a, a quote by Spurgeon. As he wrote in regards to the gospel, he says, Cling tightly with both hands. When they fail, catch hold with your teeth. And if they give way, hang on with your eyelashes. This is what we are to do, is to cling tightly. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time that we could come and look at 
your word, your gospel, Lord. Father, I pray for this little church, just for Faith Bible Church, Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray for all your churches. Father, how easily we can come and we can preach against legalism and we can preach against works, righteousness, and yet we can be a church that's filled with it. Lord, help us not be blind to this. Help us to always hold the gospel of grace always before us. Help us to speak to each other, to encourage each other, to lift each other up in prayer with the gospel of grace. Lord, may we not be a church that comes and puts rules and regulations upon each other as this is what we have to do to be saved. Lord, you tell us that those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart and profess Christ shall be saved. Father, may you do the work in our life. May we see that your gospel, that our salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, to you be the glory, Lord. 